0: You're listening to the Action Figure Blues Podcast, episode number 381, brought to you by Swivel Media and ActionFigureBlues.com. I'm Scotty, and with me tonight are. John. And Eddie. Tonight, our toys of the week are the Mezco 112 Collective, Iron Fist, and Wonder Woman, the Mego, Dr. Zeus Cornelius, and Riddler, and our discussion topic is a toy history of the Emerald Knight himself, Green Lantern. John and Eddie. Eddie and John. How are you both? I'm pretty good. How about you, John? Holiday
1: weekend here,
2: so everything's good.
0: Oh, what is the uh what is the holiday? Memorial Day. Memorial Day. What is what what is the what is being memorialized? Remind me.
2: Memorial Day is for all of the um fallen soldiers. Um, oh, okay. You know, her, her. So is, that,
0: is there a Veterans Day as well or is that Veterans?
2: Day? No, Veterans Day is for living soldiers. Oh, Okay. Go. <laughs> no, it's a, com- it's a common thing is, is people don't understand what the difference is, and, and that's really the difference.
0: Yeah. Yep, very good. And uh, in the toy acquisition department, what has been happening in your world? Maybe either uh, something that you've got or something that you are ordered or are going to order, uh, etc. Eddie, what about you?
1: Uh, Well, I've just had a bucket load of Marvel Legends come in this week. So the uh, Song Chi wave Mm -hmm. and uh, the – I was going to say Netflix. The Disney Plus wave of Marvel Legends have arrived for me. Uh, A whole bunch of Star Wars Black, like the 50th anniversary Lucasfilm EU stuff with, like, Jackson the Rabbit and shirtless Darth Maul. um, Cal Castus, the deluxe version of him. Uh, yeah, a lo- lot of Hasbro digging. Uh, but Ben isn't on here, so we can't review any of it uh, at the moment. Uh, I was a bit sad uh, about, but yeah, lo- lots and lots of Hasbro stuff uh, coming through the door.
0: Excellent. <laughs> uh, speaking of Hasbro, there was also a bunch of uh, Marvel Legends reveals this week as well. Uh, a new Age of Apocalypse wave?
1: Yeah, I had non-action figure people sending me pictures of those, so that definitely got out there. Really? Until, uh, Okay. Yeah, yep. Yep. and uh, Jared, he used to work at uh, Classic Comics, um, sent me some images okay. when saw yep. all uh, coming through, so it, it's always a good sign that it's starting to get out there in the populace um, on those, which considering the last way seemed to be a bit of a peg warmer, it's, um, but then I guess that means that stores ordered it, so yeah.
0: Yes, I mean, I think that'll be interesting to see what the distribution of that wave is like because there are, uh, in some places that I check, there are still figures from the last wave hanging around. Um, I mean, to me, like, I, the, the, it feels like actually a stronger wave toy wise and, and character wise. You know, Age of Apocalypse, not really my thing, but, um, I, I enjoyed the first wave and I'll definitely um, get those so that 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 was cool and there was nothing in that. The Legion I'm quite excited about because that is a, a comic accurate figure of a character that we haven't had before but I, I'm, I'm excited.
1: Legion was driving me nuts and me and Ben were actually texting back and forth on it because it's a new buckish that I'm sort of like oh I can see this being used for a figure down the line but I can't work out which figure that I'm actually thinking of and we we'll are throwing back and forth um, ideas that that sort of um, Legion buck could be used for. And the closest I got to thinking is like um, the Jeff Lemire Moon Knight story arc where he was actually in an asylum okay. and he sort of had a makeshift <laughs> um, rap mask. I was like, okay, you could do a pretty good uh, – kind of Moon Knight and Asylum out of that suit in that maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, I I don't know if it is and it's going to drive me nuts until I can finally work out what figure I'm thinking of. They can use... That buck for to make.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. For sure, I was looking at a couple of those figures, like the Shadow Cat, and thinking that there's some both custom fodder sort of potential and other character potential in some of those sculpts. So, interesting to see. Uh, what about you, John? Anything that you have acquired or pre-ordered, or
2: I. Scotty in a box of Miko, and, and three of those I'm reviewing tonight. So the other three are the Star Trek ones: so McCoy, Scotty, and the Salt Vampire.
0: Ah, oh, the good old Salt Vampire, love it.
1: Yeah, that Salt Vampire's because
2: it's got like a fur
1: suit on. And what about you, Mrs. Scotty? What have you been getting in?
0: Oh my goodness. Well, I got the Shang-Chi Marvel Legends. I'm not participating in the Disney Plus wave, although I admire them theatically. I've seen them. That like all over the place really quickly, which is great. So we've been getting good distribution of, of these recently. I have been doing some repopulating and making up gaps in my Marvel Legends collection on eBay with save searches and clever paying attention to things. And I never picked up back in the day, I think it was San Diego Comic-Con 2015, the Ant-Man set with the 12 inch giant man and and Goliath and and uh, etc and I got that this week which is very exciting I had, for some reason I had seen that and not actually really taken in the scale of the figures so I kind of I thought giant man was six inch the Goliath was three and three quarter and the hank pin was tiny and it wasn't until later I realized oh no the 12 inch six inch three and three quarter that I was like, oh my gosh
1: I want that. Well, yeah, because I was about to say to be nitpicky, I think that actually came under the Marvel Universe banner.
0: Oh, you're right. It sure did. Yes. So that
1: Goliath is meant to be like slightly larger, but he's on a Marvel Legends buck to create that larger size. And then I
0: believe
1: the Giant Man is uh, the old Daredevil 12 inch figure. That they did back when Hasbro first got the Marvel Legends line? Yeah.
0: He's like, you know, when they in Marvel Universe, when they did the Bill Foster giant man and the the scroll and, and stuff all on that same kind of buck who's like, he's like that. Yeah, so anyway, that, that that was exciting. And I also got a box from Plaza Japan, who I order from occasionally. And, I, you know, I love the Bishojo statue. For some reason, the last couple that have come out here have been uber expensive. Like Black Cat and Mira on pop culture and other Australian websites are like, Almost three hundred dollars, like two seventy nine, whatever. I don't quite know what's kind of happened there, um, but even but I can get them from Japan for like ha- easily half that, even with shipping. So I got my black cat and also my Mafex Cat Hush Catwoman from Plaza Japan.
1: You know what we got in? We both got in, but we once again we got to wait for Ben to <gasps> talk about his, uh, our uh, defenders of the earth. Yes,
0: yes. I, I can't wait to talk about that. And we may have to pin Ben down soon for a very special episode to talk about yeah. those while they're, they're fresh because they are um, awesome.
1: There's, there's discussion to be had with those.
0: I'll oh, say okay. That. Interesting. Um, there's discussion to be. Had. And then I got my Mezco Wonder Woman uh, this week. I've had Iron Fist for a few weeks. I got her yesterday. So that the sum total of my acquisitions and et cetera's. Uh besides that, Uh, new Age of Apocalypse, Marvel Legends, Wave, any other toy announcements, etc., that you've noticed since we recorded last that are noteworthy?
1: Well, one that uh, ties into our uh, discussion topic tonight uh, that I've led the way, and this is partly what's inspired it, is... uh, we got a bit of a sneak peek at upcoming uh, McFarlane Multiverse. And uh I'm finally getting my Hal Jordan in the McFarlane Multiverse style, so even though he's a two pack with Dawnbreaker. Uh, yeah, those images leaked along with the uh the new bat cycle, uh Todd McFarlane designed Wonder Woman, Demon Knight, um, King Shazam, and yeah, a couple of oh, Dark Knight Returns. Um, oh, yeah. the armored Batman. And yep. yeah, a couple of things like that. So it's like cool. That's um Continuing along.
0: Yeah, I don't mind the Demon Knight. That's a interesting kind of version of him and I think that looks quite cool. Um I feel I feel like I'll be surprised if we don't get a single release how. Um he seems like too major a character to make you buy in just a two pack. Um but
1: yeah, I well. I, th- I think that might be the trick though. I uh, think that might be because we generally speaking with these two packs. Um, it's been uh, one of the Minus Earth Batman plus a, a figure that we have gotten singly um, with like a different head sculpt and we have gotten John Stewart Green Lantern. Yep. So he appears okay. to be the same Buck repainted and then with a different head because if you look at the Jon Stewart figure, he even has the V design coming down just around his waist, which the mm. Hal design has. Um in the soft pleather, but obviously it's painted more green on how where it's left black on John. Cause he's green traditionally cuts off at the shoulders. Um, when yeah. you go with animated, um, style design costumes. So it's, yeah, you could use both. It, it's a well-designed figure that you can get a couple of different green lantern designs out of it because of the different lining and piping on that suit, um, that they did. So, yeah, I, I think he's just the John Stewart with a new head and, okay. um, some paint changes, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe later down the line we get more howls, but yeah, I think they might be like, "Oh, here's a way we can definitely get you to buy this two-pack <laughs> um, again with very simple reason."
0: Hmm. On the Aquaman front, I was excited to see that Iron Studios in their one ten scale um, statue line is doing a hook hand Aquaman. Um, I th- there is a like convention exclusive from years ago classic aquaman iron studio statue that never even comes up on ebay it's that rare so uh, while the hook hand iron man is not uh, iron man hello aquaman <laughs> is not my favorite aquaman i'm definitely excited to have an aquaman uh, in that line which is uh very exciting uh, john anything for you toy there's been
2: a ton of uh Funko Pops, a couple of weeks. They're doing their Funko Ween halfway to half. Most exciting. I saw they, they have a Vincent Price coming.
0: Oh, wow. Really?
2: Yeah, yeah. Except even um, Mrs. Remark, the gray hair, a younger, dark haired mm. one. But mm. I see a variant coming.
0: Uh, it's about yes. to sell.
1: They can't sell you two if you get the most popular version up front. I, I know that. I've got it. non collectors yeah,
0: I noticed that actually, uh, th- what you're talking about, Eddie, with a couple of the DC ones where they're. Doing what there's like some kind of weird glow paint thing on a bunch of DC characters, including a Jimmy Reyes Blue Beetle and Jessica Cruz Green Lantern that we haven't had as regular pops. And I was like, Oh, it's blue. Be- oh, what's that? Like, so, but I you know, just have to wait for the regular release, <laughs> so yeah. Know. Very good. Well, I think that covers acquisitions and news, and we have a bunch to talk about in this episode, so I reckon we should get started with our first set of reviews.
2: Yay. Impossible. The Hall of Justice under attack. Batman behind bars. New from Kenner's Superpowers Collection. Hall of Justice playset. Some
1: assembly required. Vehicles and figures sold separately. Now it's time for one of our feature segments, Toy of the Week. Each episode, we take turns looking at a toy or collectible in detail, These might be new releases, or we might talk about favorites or bizarre items from our collection. Uh, This week, uh, Scotty will have the first toy of the week, uh, and he's going to tell us uh, who's his favorite, Iron Fist or Wonder Woman. So let's find out.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Well, I can give you a definitive answer on the action figure front, but I don't know about on the character front. I love the Mezco 112 collective line. If you've been under a uh, rock when it comes to toys over the last few years, this is the same scale as like a Marvel Legends figure with a higher level of articulation and uh, detailed and usually some kind of mixed media costumes and accessories out the wazoo, and I've got the most recent Marvel and DC acquisitions here that I'm going to review tonight. So I'm going to start with Iron Fist because I got him first. And this is a a really good hybrid of elements of the classic Iron Fist alongside the more modern it definitely lands on the on the modern side, but you know I doubt that we're gonna get another version of this character and I don't think you're gonna be left wanting from this. Just to go with packaging first, we coast seems to have settled now on the cardboard slide over with then the million tray set um inside and this has the black tray that has the figure, the character specific base and all the accessories in it. And then the tray underneath um, has the uh, optional figure stand part of the, the base. You can just use the peg on the base or not use it at all. Uh, But if you want to do poses, then you need the rest of the stand that's underneath and the obligatory uh, trademark, mezco plastic bag um which you know they have they haven't given up on yet i don't know why anyone would need them but there you go i can't imagine that you would throw away all this packaging and then just use the plastic bag to keep these accessories but maybe some people and if you do we don't judge you we just kind of think you're a little weird Uh, the uh, in terms of the accessories uh, for this guy he comes packaged with a set of fists. And we're going with the the wrapped fists and ankles version of Iron Fist here. There's no option around that. All of his fists, except for the chi effect, have the, the wraps around them, but we've got a lot of different poses. Um, and he comes with, oh my goodness, 10 Hands altogether. So he's packaged with fists, and then he comes with four more sets of hands in different poses, either for martial arts or for holding things. He then also comes with a three part staff, which is a really nifty accessory. There's a lot of detail in the design of it, but also in the construction um, of it as well. And people who are not like me, who are good at posing action figures with accessories and taking cool photos of poses, etc. I have already done a brilliant job with this and will continue to do so. And then um, he also comes with a swap out unmasked Danny Rand head. And then he comes with five chi effects. And there's three for the right hand and two for the left hand. And I'll talk about how they work a little bit more in a moment to talk about the figure itself this is there are some mezco figures when they're solicited that do with w- with the full kind of bodysuit that this figure has that i i think photos don't really do them justice it, you, they kind of look a bit more like jammies and, than like really posable action figures but the the type of fabric the flexible but but still strong fabric that they use for these bodysuits, where you get the kind of full movement, you don't miss anything in terms of the articulation from most of these, but still kind of keep the, the musculature visible. It's just so so well done and there must be so much thought that goes into that so you know really really nicely done as always there are a few little accents through the um, outfit that I, I think give it a little bit of definition even though you might if you were you know wanted to be really pedantic you'd say well that's not comic accurate um, they uh, they give a little bit of definition to the movement a little bit of breaking up of the the solid colors that i think probably helps it not to have that like he's just wearing pajamas um feel and this is a full body suit you know, up to the neck to the the wrists and ankles but then on the wrists and ankles covered with the the wrap um wraps that he he uses um a couple of really nice touches on this are on both the tassels or straps of his um, I don't know it's not a helmet what do you call it it's like a his head wrap or whatever and then and then his sash um that they they all have a bit of ability. yeah well, kind of isn't it like um but both but both the straps of whatever he wears on his head and then also his sash have got some wire through them so that they have got some posability and I think that really adds a lot to this you know when you think about the different Shots and and poses that you might want to achieve, and uh, with the sash in particular, you know that moving in, in the right direction is uh, I, I think really clever. It's really nicely done. the The masked head sculpt I, I think is fantastic. It's got that little little bit of hair coming out the back. Um, it's got the Real those just iconic painted black eyes, and it's a it's really really nicely done. The unmasked head is fine. It's not something that I'm going to display uh this with, but it does then give you another option as well, and that is nicely you know done generic blonde guy head. I, I would say you know like I guess. As an addendum to my comments about the posability when you have these clothed costumes, there's probably is a tiny bit of restriction here just in the shoulders um, with some of the like kind of a, a full arm arm raise it's it's very minor, but y- there's a, a little bit of gathering that happens if you try and do like an arm in the air. Tight pose here because it is is a full body suit, um, so it's not super restrictive. But I just thought I would mention that, seeing as I was praising the the overall um, flexibility of it before. Um, articulation wise, as always, you know, these are are so well done um, that they, they are so poseable, and uh, th- they have such a good center of balance. So, you know, I- I'm notorious for uh, not being able to get figures to stand up properly or not being able to get them to pose, etc. But, you know, even I can do a few different kind of cool things with this without a stand, etc. The th- When you get to the accessories of this, obviously all the swap-out hands are useful for different poses or holding the staff. Uh, But the Chi effects are really, really nicely done. There's sort of three smaller uh, effects that are just kind of like the flame fist. There's one that's a bit larger for the right hand, and then there is a swooping larger Chi effect that can be used on the right hand as well. And they actually replace the hand. So they've got a, a hand sculpted in them, And they just sit on the wrist peg, so actually really easy to take on and off, which is something that I love about these Mesco pieces, particularly because these are so small. It could be something that could be fiddly if the, if the, but the pegs are actually a really decent size. They, snap on and snap off quite easily, so no problems there. So I think this is an absolutely brilliant figure. I do really do like this character, and so I was really happy to see him get a figure in this line, and I'm really happy to have it so well done. And this is definitely a $10 for me. Okay, so this is the second comic Wonder Woman in the Mezco line. It's the first general release comic wonder woman so we've had a couple of movie gal-gadot versions and then there also was a convention exclusive classic wonder woman that came out a couple of years ago that i i do have i don't think i ever uh maybe i did review her actually yeah
1: i'm pretty sure you did
0: i did you're right i'll find i'll find the episode number and link it to the the show notes so that had a A smaller box that's kind of a a bit interesting and a lesser number of accessories, but really, really nicely done. I'll make a couple of comments about how these compare. So this is a comic Wonder Woman, definitely on the modern side, whereas that that classic version was the more iconic white star and, and blue background panties sort of Wonder Woman. This is more your modern era version with more of an armor, bodice, etc. It comes with two head sculpts, so she's packaged with just a, I guess, just a, I wouldn't say blank, it's just kind of a serious expression. And then she's got one that is a bit more of a angry, or, you know, or or determined expression with a open, open mouth. She comes with some really nice options for display. So packaged, she's just got the bodice, the skirt, which I'll talk about a bit more in a moment. And then she has sculpted on armbands and boots, armored boots. But then she comes with options for putting on a, like a neck amulet, something, with then armored shoulder pads, and then a cape as well that is packaged on the bottom layer. So then we have a bit more use for the bottom layer here than just the figure stand and Mezco plastic bag. The cape is nicely folded up in the the bottom of that. She also comes then with three additional sets of hands in addition to the fists that she's packaged with. So we've got some open hands and then some for holding the different accessories. And finally, she comes with a shield, her magic lasso, and a sword. So this is really nicely done from a sculpt perspective. The Both of the head sculpts are excellent. The The hair is really nicely sculpted. The armor has got really nicely sculpted detail in it. Um, it is that kind of darker, like on the paint side, it is a darker kind of maroon almost, as opposed to a more plain red. So it, it's a little bit darker than what I would still think of as like a comic Wonder Woman. It's, it feels a bit more movie influenced to me, although that's all kind of blended together with the comics, I I realize. But sculpt-wise, Wonder Woman action figures you know, often are either brilliant or awful – because there's just so much more exposed flesh, and so what you do with the shoulders and the, the head sculpt, etc., matters a lot more. And this is really, really nicely done. The sculpt, the buck here, is fantastic. She looks strong, she looks tall, and really well proportioned. The details on her boots and on her wristbands, etc., are, and all of the accessories as well, are fantastic. Articulation wise, fantastic. Um, but where this does Does I think get let down is in the the skirt that she's wearing. I I, I'm I'm struggling with the material and it's probably a bit hard to tell in photos, but we have kind of a a really thin sort of pleather that makes up both the under part of this what would be like an armored skirt and then some flaps over and the pieces as they go are are quite thin and one piece on the the right side of her waist has come out of the box kind of creased and I can't sort of uncrease it which I, I think then doesn't speak necessarily well to the the longevity of it. So it just, I'm not quite sure why they went with this sort of leather material and the number of layers that they put in it, because I feel like it has potential to not wear terribly well. And it just ends up kind of not looking fantastic because there isn't, they don't kind of have a lot of, shape or flexibility to them. And I think something, I suppose that partly the reason why they chose a softer material there was to give this that soft goods element. But when you have the cape there as an option, I think something a bit more sculpted might have worked well. I mightn't have thought that if it hadn't kind of come out a bit bent and creased on a couple of sides, but it then just makes it look a bit cheap. So that I think is not not quite as strong. In a display, I'm probably going to display the classic one when I finally get my um Mezco's properly displayed. The because you know, that that does have that just obviously really strong classic feel. I think it goes quite well with the the more classic versions of the Justice League that we've got so far. You know Aquaman and, and Flash, etc. Um, th- this is a great figure, uh, but I I do I love the cape. The cape I think is amazing, but the cape's also like featured in comics etc <laughs> so it, it is something that really kind of looks more like oh that's there because this is a toy than because it's a really faithful version of the character i'm not saying it doesn't exist but it's not um you know what what you automatically think of when you think of wonder woman so the, but the head sculpts are great the, the cape is really nicely done um i just think that this skirt lets this down a little bit. So this is going to be an 8 out of 10 dollies for me. So in answer to Eddie's question at the beginning, as far as these two toys go, Iron Fist is definitely my fave. Um, I, I know that a lot of people could not get that classic Wonder Woman, and uh, she goes for crazy money um, on eBay. And you I, I don't think that this is a disappointment by any means. It is a, a really, really nicely done figure. It just has that little design element uh, for me that i probably would have uh changed
2: i almost went movie or almost and then i saw wonder woman 84 and
0: <laughs> yeah well there's you know, there's a there's a first wonder woman version
1: <laughs> well yeah you, you sort of answered my question there i was going to ask uh, between the two comic book ones i um, removing the fact that one's an exclusive and a lot harder to get uh which one would you recommend
0: uh, I mean, I, I like the classic better because I'm more of a classic guy, but it, it's not worth the price difference chasing that down to have a, a good Mezco Wonder Woman in your collection. This is a great figure. It is definitely that more just modern feel. And I, I do think that, I mean, who knows, Wonder Woman's obviously the type of character that can sell multiple versions in a line. And we may get something that's a bit more Bronze Age down the track because that classic one was a real sort of silver age but head sculpt etc so there's definitely room for something that's more this sort of Bach and head sculpt but a, a more bronze age sort of costume but I, I don't think that you're going to find many people complaining about this it really is a fantastic figure
2: accessory wise which one's better
0: Iron Fist because of the chi effects really the, the they're really cool and you know as someone who doesn't like fiddling around with all that stuff. The fact, the way that they are constructed so that they just replace hands and snap on so easily, I think is uh, fantastic. And that, that and he also comes with 10 you know, sets of hands, which is pretty amazing. They both have the extra heads, etc. And Wonder Woman's got the cape as well. So, uh, but I, I really think those GFX are pretty awesome. And, Again, because of the way that they are done, you could borrow some of them for other school figures that you wanted to set on fire in the proverbial sense, not the literal, please. We don't do that. And
1: which one has the better plastic baggie for putting accessories in? <laughs>
0: oh uh, look, I would have to rate those as equal. I've never actually unwound one to, to check them out because I just kind of look at them and go, why are you a thing? Um, so I... I I believe that they are both created. Yeah, so 10 out of $10 for Iron Fist, 8 out of $10 for uh, Wonder Woman. Your mileage may vary. Uh, the the Mezco 112s tend to sell out pretty quickly. So I would definitely, if you're interested in either of these, I would grab them while someday you will...
2: I'll what? get my Batman, my uh, 89
1: Batman, someday.
0: Oh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> someday. It's coming. Someday it's coming. It'll happen.
1: Mm, very cool. Uh, we'll uh, step out for a bit and we'll come back uh, with some MEGO talk. More cloth action figures.
0: Coming from the farthest reaches of the universe to challenge the worst villains on Earth are
2: the most powerful heroes ever in the Battle of the Superpowers Collection.
0: Can it be the Supermobile on the attack? The Lexor 7 armed with kryptonite? but the Supermobile repel those
2: deadly rays? You bet. Ready for battle? Activate RAM! New from Kenner's Superpowers Collection. Vehicles and figures with power action. Each soul's Separately, flying lessons for Penguin, fish bait for Luther. Can the Supermobile defeat the Lexor Seven? You decide.
0: Well, John is taking the middle slot today, and he is going to regale us with tales of his latest acquisitions from the Migo world. So, if you want uh, the types of toys that inspired the toys that I just reviewed, this is your segment. So, over to you, John. Tell us all about it. Well,
2: thank you, Mister Scotty, as always. It's- Perfect, perfect introduction, and I, I don't know how to follow that up. So this is what you're going to get um, I'm talking about uh, three Migos tonight. I'm going to start off with everybody's favorite Batman villain, the Riddler. What? No, no, no joke. No, no, no. They did the Riddler. First. Yeah. And it's it's like Eddie said, you know, people, they came out with the Joker. Then everybody go, OK, we're done. Um, So this is an age. Yeah an eight inch Mego and they've got the 12 inch and 14 inch ones coming or whatever. And they got the DC ones coming in that larger scale too. But the Riddler just came out. He is in a bodysuit. So um, first of all, he's the more of a classic Riddler. Like I said, he's in a bodysuit. So think like seventies comics probably, or maybe even the TV show. Um, to me, he has a real 66 Batman TV show. Uh, vibe to him because he's he's he looks a little like frank gorshin to me um you know he's got the question marks all over the green bodysuit, um the little mask it, and it's funny because when i i was looking at him last night i was like you know what i wish they had done him in a suit and then i was like no that wouldn't be very miko you know so maybe we'll mm. in the future um these all come carded by the way uh mikos are carded and uh one thing i've noticed is they're blisters and bubbles all seem to be the same now so they've came up with like one bubble and one blister probably to save some money uh hmm. you found the package and this is a standard migo body so you know it's that one male body they have and you no know, a head and a cloth outfit um the cloth outfit is really well fitted it's got velcro in the back uh But the the question marks continue onto the back, which is always a worry, right? When you see a figure in the package, so the the whole cloth. And he's got one big question mark in the center of his chest. Kind of similar to what you were saying with Iron Fist, though. Um, He does have a separate piece for a belt, like a purple rubber belt. And and that really, I think, Mm. makes him look like he's not wearing pajamas. Um, Without that, I think it would look a little pajama-like. Yeah. He does have uh, purple hands. But what's interesting is if you actually look up through his arms, you know, if you pull his sleeves back a little bit, he's actually got whole purple arms. So huh. and, and I was curious, and this probably shows a little bit about their their molds and stuff. His legs are also purple. So all the limbs must come from one mold is what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. And then yep. then the
2: body's something else. You've always talked about how the Miko heads look a little oversized. And, and I had... Uh, riddler and batman together last night uh for a little while and yeah the the riddler's head definitely looks oversized to me but he's got that widow's peak going on and then he he actually has like this really fantastic like grin on his face that really sells it more is that that you know kind of 70s riddler um and then he's got the you know the mask on and the mask is actually sculpted on i i thought at first it might just be painted on so they could reuse that head but it, it's actually not the mask is actually sculpted on so it's actually pretty cool. And and to give him that widow's peak instead of some kind of other hairstyle, I, th- I think that's a, a clever addition as well. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, there, there's going to be a lot of reuse for that head. So Overall, pretty cool. Um, I mean, maybe not the best Batman villain, but um, I've kind of talked about it before. I kind of like my Migos to be a certain era, and I think this fits that era, um, you know, at 70s. Oh, yeah. Re- yes. Really well. Well in
0: there. Just before you go on, just with the oversized heads, I mean, is that the the original Migos didn't have that element, really? Did they?
2: I I just think we were probably all a little young to notice. You know, I I mean, if you look, even if you look at like original (laughs) Star Wars figures, you know, there's the whole big head, little head, Han, and even even Luke's head in in the original. True, not consistent. And um, you know, I I think I, I suspect it's because they wanted to get more detail in there so you could recognize a character. They probably sculpted them a little bigger just to, to make the head pop out a little bit.
0: Hmm, cool.
2: Um, so next up I, I've got a pair of figures and these actually go together because, because the Riddler is kind of a one-off in this for me. Um, I remember, yeah. I think there was a flash in this wave as well, but I am not the biggest flash flash fan. So I'm going to try and to limit my amigo DC stuff to Batman related stuff, but that's a different story because there's a Robin coming. So I'm excited about that. Um, but what i have also though is a pair of planet of the apes figures and this is the one that when they said they were bringing me back that everybody went we want planet and i don't know if it's just this long hmm. to get the license or if it's taking them this long to go okay we can get it right um i actually a few maybe 10 at the most years ago i bought a doctor's as me go on um, ebay just to have one because i I'd, I'd never had any of the apes figures um Planet of the Apes is one of those properties that kind of scared me as a kid in the 70s, <laughs> you know, because it, it, it's really kind of terrifying to see these apes, you know, it, and it's brutal, right? You know, yeah. the original movie and e- even the show, they're they're all trying to capture the humans and torture them and do all these things to them. And, you know, it's these these apes that are kind of human looking, but they're not. So it just it always had this like really dark vibe to me as a kid. And, and I and it you know you know it's those things that you're scared to look at but you look at them you know it, as a kid um and planet of the Apes kind of fell into that dark territory for me you know like oh this is maybe a little more adult than what i i, I should be looking at and that kind of thing um but that, that's that's a different story for a different day uh so uh, i never had any so i bought this Doctor as on migo and or migo on ebay and and I had him. Well, now we have a new Dr. Zaius. And um, I'm glad I bought the old one because this one, it, it let me compare them to see, you know, what what really changed. And they've done a fantastic job because on the Apes figures, instead of like Batman, the, the eight-inch Batman, he's in black. And, you know, he, he is different. Um, with the Apes figures, they've reproduced them almost exactly. Just enough difference that huh. you can tell, oh, it's different. Um, like late like Dr. Zayas comes um, in his Dr. Zayas outfit. Of course uh, he has, he has like boots and the boots, instead of being plastic boots, they're rubber boots now, but they have the same details on the side. So they, they look the same, especially for more than about a foot away. Um, his pants have a seam on the outside and the old ones had a seam on the outside, uh, his jacket on the old one. And I was one, this is one of the things I was wondering about um, his jacket and shirt are one piece and clothes in the back with snaps. Well, the new one is, The jacket and shirt are one piece, but they close in the back with um, Velcro, which which is actually quite a bit better because those little snaps have little threads on them and come off and that kind of stuff. So um, he also has the little fur around the cuffs and the way that's attached is a lot better on the new one, of course. And um, the head, the head is pretty close. But what they did is I think on the old one, the head was molded in the uh, base skin color and then the hair painted. And then on the new one, the hairs, the the, the head's molded in the base hair color and the face is painted and the eyes are painted a little better on the new one as well. So he's got this like bright orange hair because he's an orangutan, of course, one of the upper (laughs) class of the apes. And then, um, you know, underneath uh, that is an orange body. And the old one has more like a, I want to say cafe au lait type color uh, for the body and the hands, whereas this one's more orange. So, you know, you, you would never mix these up if you went to a show, you know, and you really knew just a little bit, you could you could pick up on it pretty quick and go, oh, no, that's a that's a modern Dr. Zayas versus a, a vintage one, which is cool because they're really thinking about that to say, you know, hey, you know, we're not going to produce it exactly so you can't tell on, you know, on an eBay picture because you can definitely tell mm-hmm. colors are just enough different and everything. Um, I will say, and I don't know if this is... Because mine is uh, older, but the outfit on the new Nuseus is quite a bit... The white on it is quite a bit brighter, and I don't know, like I said, if that's just age or if he was actually that darker. Um, the other thing I've noticed is, solidity-wise, you know, just how the figure feels, this one's got quite a bit more weight to it. The the vintage one seems to have... And I don't know if mine's a knockoff or not. I've never figured out what pieces are maybe actually repro on mine, um, but the legs are... Hmm. And... Like, it's got the Mego copyright on the chest, but the legs are hollow and they feel really thin, whereas this guy, the new one, feels feels very solid. So, um, I, I, I'm overall very pleased with with the updates. And when you get them both in hand, you can tell, yes, they, they've stayed faithful to it. Yes, they've made improvements, but they, they really wanted it to be like you're picking up that old figure. Not like, you know, they, they didn't update it like they've updated Batman or some of the other ones. So... Um, it's kind of cool that way. Now I don't have a Cornelius, hmm. um, vintage figure, but this one from what I'm able to see in the pictures looks, you know, looks like they've treated him the same way. He's got the Velcro shirt in the back. Um, he's got tights on, which is cool. And he's got little moccasins on. And I, I, that confused me at first. Cause I didn't think that, uh, Cornelius had, uh, shoes in the original figure, but he did. So, um, apparently he has a very comfortable pair of moccasins. If you're wondering, uh, <laughs> But they've got some like, love it. They got some like pleather overlays on his outfit as well. And like the one on his chest has some embossing on it. And I, I really like that detail because it's got that really Planet of the Apes feel to it. Um, you know, it looks like Planet of the Apes. It looks like something he was wearing. It's pretty close to his outfit. Um, I don't know if they'll do a Galen figure. Galen was the Cornelia stand in in the TV show and uh they were both played by roddy mcdowell so the original figures were um exactly the same almost um just some slight color hmm. so i'm kind of curious to see if we'll eventually see a galen in this line that maybe is just a little more different so you can tell them apart um one change they made here as well is uh cornelius's body is all like a dark brown i don't think the original was that way so that's pretty cool he's got like some red lips that, that dr zeus doesn't and um you know, he's got little ears and, and Dr. Zayas doesn't have ears as well. But uh, overall, pretty cool. Um, if I was going to rate them, I mean, just because of the way they did these, I, you know, they, they they they're reproducing a vintage figure, but making it better. Um, I'd probably give them both eight out of eight out of ten. And then I, I'd probably even go eight out of ten on the Riddler. Because like I said, he really fits like if you had a bunch of Mego play sets and other figures set up and you put that Riddler figure in there. The, the head sculpt's a little better than it should be, probably, but it would fit right in. You know, it wouldn't it would it, you, it wouldn't look out of place with your vintage. So I'd give him an 8 out of 10 as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you ever been tempted by the Mezco Planet of the Apes figures? No,
2: because like I said, I it's a property that I, I used to look at and and, and admire from afar. It, if mm. I probably wasn't buying other Migos, I, I don't know that I would have got these. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those, it, I've got this weird, you know, Miko relationship. It just really reminds me of um, being a kid in the 70s, because I had a bunch of the, the DC and um, Marvel ones. And, you know, so I'd always look at the other ones. And and they had a ton of playsets and stuff for them. And, and those always kind of fascinated me as well, because there's a, a big fortress and, you know, a wrecked town. And, you know, they had some like, I think they had like a horse and wagon and a jail. And you know, some smaller sets as well. So, um, I, I, I've looked at modern properties and I've picked them up and had them in my hand, and I've been like, ah, I just, you know, I, I just can't do it. Um, not, not yeah. for the you yeah. know, it's, it's and these are in that price point, you know, they're in that 13 14 range that that bit of nostalgia is just there. You know, I mean, it, it feels like you're buying nostalgia, um, for the price. I mean, for a whole, you know, if, if they had everybody in the line out, I could buy you know, probably six to eight figures for what, you know, one Mezco would be. So, um, yeah. So for me it's, it's more like that.
0: Very cool. I, I really like that Riddler. I think he's super fun and the Planet of the Apes is something that I've never, I've often been tempted by different figures just because they look so fun, but it's just not a property that I collect or, or can justify spending money on. But that is a really awesome. Uh, so, what, what's next on the Miko acquisition trail for you? I know
2: Robin and Penguin are coming, and um, Caesar from the movies, Planet of the Apes movies, is coming, as well as um, I think it's General Ursus. So, the, one of the general...
1: Wait, those hang, are the ones... hang on a tick, go back. When, when you say Caesar from the movies is coming, that's a very loaded question with Planet of the Apes. There's multiple Caesars the vintage movie okay <laughs> the uh the one from fall four, four and five because yeah. yeah, i think there was a, a tv show as well was it
2: yeah he he has a, a jumpsuit on with a with a rifle so uh, well, yeah. maybe
1: it is the four, yeah. probably
2: yeah. now um there you go I, i'm in an amigo group and uh there was talk the other day somebody said hey we need the mutants from uh beneath the planet of the apes and uh some of the Migo, one of the Migo guys, I think it was Paul Clark, I think. Um, he he kind of jumped on and, and said, hey, you know, we, we hear you. So um, I suspect you'll yeah. we'll be getting some Beneath the Planet of the Apes figures. And that, you know, that's something that, that we were talking. actually it came up in that thread is, um, you know, that's a movie where at the end, basically there's all these mutants from radiation that are humans that they have no skin on their face. And um, then they ignite a nuclear bomb and the Earth's destroyed. and Blah blah blah. I had that as a book and record as a kid, and I'm thinking, what would happen today if you released a book and record for a kid to listen to, that <laughs> had, you know, a bunch of, you know, skinless mutants at the end, and they set off a nuclear bomb? Because that's in the book and record. So it's like, what? Wait, wait, you can't do huh. that today. You just couldn't do it. People would come unglued. So, but it's it terrified. A very me. weird
1: film that one. Terrified. See the yeah. book and record. Yeah, <laughs> <It's a> movie. <laughs> But like, <laughs> let's just remake the first film, but then have a bit at the end with Mutants where the entire world gets blown up on this franchise we're trying to start. And, the, and then we'll make a franchise. There.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much for that, John. That was awesome. It's always good to see what's happening in Migoland. I'm constantly tempted by them here, but have managed to resist so far. So I'll live vicariously through you. We will take another short break and then we're going to come back with our first toy history in a long time. Just
2: to just to tease it, there's also a Mego John Stewart Green Lantern coming.
0: Ah, uh, yeah,
1: um, really? Mega gets a mention right at the beginning here.
2: Beware the mutant seeking Sentinel.
0: Target identified. Mutant apprehended. Wanna mix it up, big boy? My adamantium claws will get rolled back. I've always had trouble with man. My optic blast will give him trouble. Firing projectile arm Now, Sentinel, you will be defeated.
2: Oh. Sentinel robot playset and X-Men action figures, each sold separately.
0: A toy history is where we take a character and try to go through all the different toy versions of that have been made of that character. Now, some don't take quite as long because they haven't had as many uh, toys made of them. Uh, but Green Lantern, which Eddie is doing tonight, is uh, something that we need some rules set for, I think. So Eddie is going to explain the the rules of the, the game here. Uh, but it's great to come back to this segment. We haven't done one for quite a while. And Eddie is the Author and driver of this song. I'm going to hand over to him to take us on a trip down toy memory lane.
1: Yes, in toy stores by day, in <laughs> eBay on night, no action <laughs> figure shall escape my sight, but those who worship scalpers might beware my power, Green Lantern Spotlight.
0: Whoa. Uh, yeah.
1: I made that up on the fly. I'm pretty pleased with that.
0: I'm, I'm impressed, man.
1: Uh, So, uh, yes, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what I consider to be DC's uh, best superhero. Um, Not particularly one character. I do love them all, but uh, Green Lantern uh, is a franchise uh, very close uh, to my heart. Uh, I have dabbled with a lot of DC characters over the years, but I was always more of a Marvel kid. Uh, but there was a, uh, book that I did really like, which was, uh, not green lantern, but green arrow when Kevin Smith, uh, jumped on and wrote that. I picked that up. And, uh, in a lot of that run, he talks about the hard traveling heroes era, uh, where he was teamed up with green lantern. So not too long after that run, another run started by Jeff Johns, which was relaunching the green lantern brand. And uh, I decided to pick that up and just uh, it was just the best introduction, I think, to any superhero mythos where it was a fantastic jumping on point, but embraced all the weirdness and wackiness from even the golden age, uh, silver age onwards, and really (laughs) did some interesting things and stuff that uh, you'd think would be obvious, but had never been done uh, with the brand and uh, really, uh, pardon the pun, but brought it into A much larger spotlight and for a couple of years there uh, Greenland really was the flagship of the DC uh, universe uh, so much so that led to him getting a film that was meant to launch a DC uh, uh, expanded universe which uh, uh, didn't really uh, work out so well Uh, and yes it does also mean that of my two favourite characters of both universes they've both been played by Ryan Reynolds uh, which is another weird Uh, little side note Uh, but when it comes to toys uh, the green lantern core has had a bit of an interesting history from times where it's leading the pack to times where it's almost forgotten about and relegated uh, to the side so what i've done here because it is so expansive the uh, core is uh, galactic wide when it comes to its size is i'm not going to cover everything so uh, i'm me being an action figure guy I don't expect me to be talking about statues or things like that on this list. And also we'd be here forever if I touched on things such as uh, X and Lego and all those sort of little pieces uh, that might come into it. So this list is pretty much purely focused on the action figure. And when it gets into uh, the real heydays of action figures, the action figures that collectors are going to float to not uh, little sort of 2 inch pieces of plastic that are uh, added in which can be great and if you collect those that's uh, fantastic i've definitely got some in my collection but uh this is more looking at the collector action figure circles and uh that really does start off as john was just talking about in an earlier segment with mega action figures that was really the first time that the dc universe uh As a whole, started to get represented in an action figure form that people were collecting, and I didn't know this until I started researching for this topic. Uh, There was no Green Lantern Mego action figure. Did you know this, John?
2: Yeah, I think there was a Green Arrow, but I don't think there was a Green Lantern. But uh, you know, it
1: doesn't.
0: Well, really, like uh, I mean, that that's wow.
1: Yeah, the Green Lantern was not represented. So yes, there was a Green Arrow. Uh, near the end of, lo- the, end of lo- the line, which is actually one of my favorite Migos. I think that's actually really well done uh, for a Migo figure. And it is based on his look that he was touting around in the Hard Travelling Heroes uh, era where he was teamed up with Green Lantern. But yes, they didn't do a Green Lantern figure uh, for Migo. Now, if you jump on eBay, some of you might be going, hang on, I just Googled this and there's lots <laughs> of images of a Hal Jordan or John Stewart Mego figure. Uh, they're all retro figures that have only been released in recent years. Uh, when Mm. Mattel, uh, did the retro Amigo figures, uh, the first wave had both Hal and John in it to try and fill in this, uh, unrepresented gap, but
0: And Guy and uh, Kyle, I've got all of those.
1: Yeah. And yes, they did, uh, keep expanding it out later on. And also Sinestro, Mm. uh, who wasn't done, uh, despite his, uh, large presence in super friends. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, Just not not there for kids of the 70s to play with. Uh, In fact, it would take until 1984 for a Green Lantern action figure to be represented on shelves in the ever-popular Superpowers uh, toy line. Uh, So it was a bit of an action feature where uh, you squeezed on Hal's leg and you'd point his ring up in a direction uh, at you. And uh, this mold is actually a bit infamous. And ties into another thing John was just talking about, which was in South America, they actually repainted the Green Lantern action figure to be uh, the Riddler in his skin-tight uh, mm-hmm. outfit. So, uh, and he's still got the ring uh, painted over on his hand uh, and all. And this was something Hell later when they did the DC Universe, did a bit of an homage to uh, they released a Riddler action figure that was just a repaint uh, of Hal Jordan. Uh, Green Lantern the-
0: Superpowers was my first Superpowers figure. I remember very vividly convincing my dad to buy it for me at Toys R Us back in the day, and then Aquaman shortly thereafter. But Green Lantern was my very first one.
1: Ah, oh, that's very cool. I always would have always assumed, yeah, it'd be Aquaman, but
0: but oh, no, it was just yeah. about what was there, right? Like, because you know, back- back in the day, <laughs> okay. you know. But back in the day, you like—I mean, I discovered I had no idea that they were coming. Right, the, the first ones I saw them in the the you know, Toys R Us, and I was just like, "What wonderful thing is this?" And they had Green Lantern and a couple others, and I was like, "Please, please, can I have one!" And it chose Green Lantern. But then I got Aquaman shortly later.
1: I do also think it is one of the greatest superhero designs of all time—the Silver Age Green Lantern look and that sort of. Superhero outfit with no cape, the domino mask. Like, it's just very bare to the bones, but something yeah. iconic about that look yeah. uh, for me, for a superhero. Like, it—it it, it is almost the costume that uh, outfits like Invincible uh, are kind of balancing off uh, there. I, I, I do uh, like that look and design uh, for a character, particularly one that is like this futuristic space outfit that, you know, doesn't need to be armoured or set up through. It's just pure energy that works, uh, through for it. So, uh, I am a big fan of the look and it definitely captured me as a kid before I even picked up, uh, reading it. Uh, he was a character that always sort of stood out to me when he was inside panels or cross through or runs like that as being a, uh, very cool costume. Uh, which was also around the time that I first saw him in figure form. I would have assumed that this was superpowers that I'd seen as a kid, but uh, it actually wasn't. He uh, got a release by Toybiz in 1990 as part of their DC Comics Superheroes wave, which was a weird, almost forgotten about wave these days on the gold uh, card backs. Uh, it was around the time of the uh, 1989 Batman movie. So if you think of the cards that those came on uh these were very similar but it was expanding out into the rest of the DC universe and i remember seeing him on the back of a package but the only one i could ever find on shelves here was like a lex luthor that had like a it was meant to be a punching action but it almost looked like he was knocking mm. on a door uh action which i still tried to convince my dad to buy to me cuz lex luthor was bald and my dad was bald and i was like see they're both bald you should buy me this and <laughs> Might not be evil. the evil oh, to <laughs> lead <laughs> off with, uh, there, but uh, he, he was uh, clearly has a, uh, a bit of a variant where he's just got fully painted green arms, much like the Aquaman, uh, in this wave. Um, so there was some weird cheapness going on with the painting of arms, uh, at Toy Biz, uh, at this time. And then Hal uh, takes a bit of a backseat for an era, and this is the first real figure I remember seeing of Green Lantern and him being pumped out. Uh, came in 96 where there was a wave of figures uh, called Total Justice, and it's a little bit forgotten about today, but Total Justice was a fighting video game in the height of uh, fighting video games like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat that was uh, based around uh, DC characters. And it was done by a little-known company at the time called Blizzard, who would go on to make uh, you know, things like World of Warcraft and Overwatch, and is now uh, the biggest video game company in the world, almost, uh, if not they are, um, basically. But uh, yeah, in the 90s, they were making DC-licensed fighting games, and it got a toy line. Uh, and a part of that toy line, you had uh, Kyle Rayner, who was the new uh, Green Lantern, who'd uh just come in they'd uh, written a story because in the 90s it was uh the very in thing to write out the main character and bring in a, a new character and for green lantern they actually had hal jordan uh his whole city got destroyed in the return of superman arc and he went a bit crazy and became a villain called parallax and killed off the green lantern corps uh, and there was only one ring left, and that went to a uh, basically a graphic designer, comic book artist. Uh, I wonder where they got the inspiration to write that character from, uh, named Carl Rayner. Uh, and he was the Green Lantern for a while. He had a cool outfit design and was sort of a more black suit with uh, what's referred to as the crab mask uh, that he wears, which is sort of a different take on the domino mask, which is sort of bigger and chunky. And he was very popular. Uh, when he came through, is was a big part of the Grant Morrison, uh, JLA storylines. Uh, he also uh, is part of the infamous storyline uh, where his girlfriend was chopped up and put in a refrigerator. Uh, so if you've ever heard the term fridging when it comes to female supporting characters being killed off to support a male character's motivation, that uh, comes from this um, comic book character's uh, very first story arc. Uh, and yeah it was a cool design and i remember seeing this figure everywhere as much as i love total justice it was a massive peg warmer uh, at least here in australia you could walk into pretty much any toys r us for years well into the 2000s and you would find a kyle or an aquaman uh, sitting there on the peg sometimes you might even find a flash Still, uh, this just uh, stank up toy stores. To spine. I thought it was personally a cool toy uh, myself. But, uh, yeah, we didn't get anything beyond one because one just sat around Australian toy stores. But there were uh, multiple waves. And in wave three, we actually got a parallax, the Hal Jordan uh, villain outfit, where he's got sort of a bigger armor and flying cape. And this was another thing I learned today. Uh, back in the 90s, There was uh, the Warner Brothers store, if you remember that, mainly selling uh, sort of cells of animation and uh, whatnot. We had one uh, in a Crown Casino here in Melbourne, and they had a Warner Brothers store exclusive version of Kyle that was basically just a head swap of him onto the Parallax armor, uh, and he was all kind of done up uh, for that. So it looks like he's making a big glowing armor set and... uh, Yeah, I never remember seeing this at the Warner Brothers store here in Australia. I don't know if they ever actually got these in. Uh, If they did, they probably wanted $50 for it because everything was massively overpriced in the Warner Brothers store uh, there in the 90s. Um, So yeah, I never would have been able to get it uh, if they did uh, get them or bring them in. Uh, And this line uh, did kind of carry on into a... A uh, series known as JLA, which was based off the Grant Morrison JLA, And these figures mainly went to comic book stores. And there are a lot of just recolors and re-releases. So Kyle got a re-release in that. But uh, no new figure designs or uh, anything in that sort of ilk. Uh, there was a line called DC Superheroes that had sort of a cloth version that came out uh, towards the end of the 90s uh, there. But uh, nothing major. Uh, until you sort of got into the early 2000s and DC decided that they were going to start producing their own action figures to get characters out there that weren't getting the love, which was basically just Batman and the occasional Superman. Uh, and that was the birth of DC Direct. And with DC Direct, this is when you start seeing a big explosion of green lantern characters now i actually found this part to be extremely difficult to research and try and work out release dates release dates and so many of these figures got released and re-released with slight variants and cross those that i'm only going to sort of touch on the major ones but as far as i could work out I believe the earliest was actually the green, uh, the golden age uh, Alan Scott uh, release as part of the Justice Society characters uh, that they were doing there at the time. I could be wrong. If it wasn't that, then it was probably uh, the Hal Jordan on a green lantern back card. But this Hal Jordan figure was actually probably more famous um, as part of a hard traveling heroes wave that they did later on that had a fantastic green arrow figure. It's still probably... The best Green Arrow figure.
0: Yeah, I think the Alan Scott was first, and uh, the because they went through that phase where they had those card backs that had like pictures of two other figures on them as well, which that one is, and that's Hard Traveling Heroes as well. Um, yeah, and it had that
1: weird sort of gold star design running across the top. That was very yeah, early yeah. days of. Uh, DC Direct, um, and I know some yeah. of the Green Lanterns did as well, but eventually the Green Lanterns also merged into the Clamshell, so I feel like they were sort yeah. of towards the end more, which is why I sort of lent more towards uh, Alan Scott here yeah. being at the beginning, um, but we also got some villains as well, so we finally had a Sinestro uh, figure that was done uh, very early on in DC Direct, as well as, and this one sort of surprised me that they got to her so early, but a Star Sapphire uh, in her Silver Age design uh, was also dropped um, in that same period as Sinestro because they both appear on each other's cards. Uh, and then we got into a, a Green Lantern core sort of wave that they were doing, and there were lots of figures uh, released for this, some that had never gotten figures before. Uh, so we had uh, pretty much all the main Greenlands. So we had Jon Stewart uh, getting a release. We had Guy Gardner. Uh, and there were variants of uh, ones like John Stewart. He had both his sort of classic 70s design as well as his mosaic uh, design from the famous storyline where he's basically in charge of this whole uh, planet. Uh, Tomar Ray, who's sort of the fish parrot, um, Green Lantern-looking character, he's um, got one, yeah, <laughs> and write, uh, Ray it will actually be mentioned a lot on the list, and for those who don't know, uh, his prominent place, he's a bit of a weird one, he doesn't necessarily have a major part to play in the call, but he was the first other Green Lantern that you ever met in the DC books um, uh, in terms of release. Order. Um, so, yeah, he is uh, often a very major part in stories just because he was the first uh, Greenland core member, I should say, uh, that you met after Hal Jordan. Uh, Kyle Rayner and his uh, sort of classic 90s crab mask looks. And then, sort of, the cool ones was when you started getting uh, into the villains. So, Effigy, who was a major uh, Kyle Rayner villain, who once Kyle Rayner sort of dropped out of being the main, he's almost completely dif- disappeared. But uh, he was a major character there for a while, and uh, Fatality, uh, who was a John Stewart uh, character, I believe, out of that Mosaic run. I haven't read much of Mosaic, but uh, she was uh, basically a member of the planet that uh, John destroyed during Cosmic Odyssey, which is part of where his character developed his frustration uh, from and guilt. A, a guilt is a big part for Green Lantern characters, and <laughs> yeah, she sort of haunts him a bit. Uh, through from that one so that, that was around 2002 those characters were coming out and it was just a barrage of all these great uh Green Lantern characters and for some the first time that I ever saw those designs and like that was for me where I got introduced to Guy Gardner uh for example I'd never come across him in uh like I probably had seen him in the background of panels and not really realized I'd never really read much Justice League International or uh, across So I'm sure they've turned up in other comics I'd read but I'd never quite pieced it together uh who it was. I still uh, think I, that
0: I, I gotta say I, I think that's probably still the best Guy Gardner action figure. Um that 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 first one so so well done. It it really is a
1: fan. In fact he's a weird one where he to me is just a very toyetic character. I'm rarely disappointed in a Guy Gardener. Uh, action figures. There's just something about that vest that <laughs> really does work. I think it's because it breaks up the articulation lines almost perfectly um, on a figure. It just uh, really and the sort of the big chunky boots um, also has a bit of a part to play uh, in that. Speaking of big and chunky, we also got um, sort of shortly after this time when uh, DC Direct was sort of evolving a little bit. This is when they sort of got into their boxed figure era. Uh, probably the most famous is the Batman Hush figures of around this time, but uh we had a line based on Kingdom Come and part of that first series we had a Alan Scott uh Green Lantern. I I believe that's right. It was Alan Scott in Kingdom Come.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I think that's I I don't know if it's ever mentioned in the main book, but um I'm pretty sure from at least the back matter it was Alan Scott as uh, the Green Lantern in that series. And so he's in his big uh kind of knight produced armor made out of that run. Uh, we got a two-pack of series based on Super Friends, and part of that you had a Hal and a Sinestro that also came with a miniature version of the Hall of Justice. And if you do pick this up, heads up, these guys are prone to break. So uh, just be very careful about posing them and moving them around. We had a modern Carl uh, Rayner released in JLA that was based on sort of his Ion look there. Uh, towards the end and uh, nearing the end there was a series known as JLA classified where it was sort of an Ed McGuinness style artwork who's one of my favorite comic characters so uh, shockingly I never picked uh, much of these up because he there were so many figures based on oh, his work I loved Spel- those
0: they were like so so well done so cool but they never did a howl they never did a how in that
1: no, they didn't. And it's one of my big regrets is I didn't buy more of these McGinnis-style figures because they actually got through quite a few characters uh, yeah. in the end. Um, and they all look fantastic and they work really well together. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I sort of missed the boat on that one. And then by the time I was looking back, I was like, oh, this would be expensive if I start down this road. So. Uh, I might uh, might skip it. Uh, and it was also um, around this uh, a later part of DC Direct that uh, there was another toy company with DC uh, Rights. Now, this was Mattel. And uh, you had the launch of the Justice League animated series by Bruce Tim, And uh, part of that uh, show is they wanted to add a bit more uh, diversity uh, they've been quite forward about that. So rather than using Hal Jordan, they went with uh, Jon Stewart, uh, which for many people was the introduction to Green Lantern aside from mm-hmm. uh, Hal Jordan. And uh, now for many people who've grown up with the show, uh, a lot of people are quite shocked to learn that Jon Stewart wasn't uh, the main Green Lantern or the only Green Lantern um, because for there's so many people uh the justice league animated series because it is so fantastic and so um sprawling across the dc universe by the end uh really encapsulates uh, a whole uh, people's idea of what the dc universe is and uh, his character was handled fantastically over the show by film lamar as a voice actor is just uh, absolutely incredible so uh and being a mattel uh toy line from this time period there were lots of variants of uh, Green Lantern that got released uh, over the run. So you had the very like main basic figure based off his design uh, from the show. And this being uh, the first two seasons, Justice League, this is when he was clean shaven but had uh, hair on the top of his head. Uh, you had mini variants such as his attack armor in some four packs. There was an aquatic armor released for him. Uh, with an Aquaman pack. Uh, I'm mentioning Aquaman a lot tonight, Scotty. This is just to grab your attention.
0: Um,
1: but for some reason, Greenland and Aquaman seem to go together in toy form. Uh, and another one that was just basically him in with silver parts instead of over his black. When we got into Justice League Unlimited, this is when things really started to explode. So in the basic line... There was a version of him that just had sort of tech parts. uh, And then it was the three packs that you had to go uh, to get the more accurate version. Now, in between Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, uh, John got a bit of a redesign where he got clean shaven, but uh, grew a goatee. So uh, there are a couple of different uh, three packs with other characters. Uh, that you'd need to grab him with to grab that design, but you had options there. There was another three-pack uh, that actually uh, you had to pick up if you wanted to get Sinestro, uh, which was the first time that Sinestro was avail- available mainstream at uh, retail. These uh, three-packs Ly-
0: were the bane of my existence yeah. <laughs> trying to collect these because it's like, oh, great, there's two more of the same figure, another Superman, yay, just to get the... <sighs> yeah,
1: they, they they were quite clever in that's like oh yeah we're going to make you buy uh, a lot of the same mould over again and mm-hmm. then potentially the same character of that mould so we can have a Superman on the shelves for mums and dads but then you're getting Aztec or Sinestro or um, Peyton Starman or us <laughs> three. Um, and then sometimes I'd go and release them on a single card later on anyway, and you're like, oh, if I just waited, and then some (laughs) of them didn't come, so uh, it got hard. Um, And yeah, so in the three packs later on, once it sort of hit the orange card era, there was a whole three pack just dedicated uh, to Green Lantern. So you had John, you had Tomo Ray, who's the fish parrot guy, and now we finally get a Kilowog on our list who's uh, arguably one of the most popular Green Lanterns so it's not an Earth-based Green Lantern he's sort of this big kind of pig cross gris- gr- gorilla uh type alien uh who's fantastic he's always depicted as m- this massive uh hulking character and for some reason on uh, these Justice League characters they just put him on a regular body and it just was always yeah. odd <laughs> this yeah i <laughs> never quite understood how this figure got so far down the line cuz it was definitely something that I feel like every figure commentator and that were were picking on us like, oh, that just doesn't look like... Even the fact that they didn't shrink his head down if you're going to go with a smaller body yeah. and give him that look, it, it, it felt like the head was meant for a different buck and they yeah. just went, oh, no, stuff. we'll just put on a regular figure. <laughs> so yeah. uh, and there was uh, also a three-pack based on the Justice Lord, which was kind of uh, the show's version of the criminal syndicate. And later on, there was another uh, Green Lantern three pack this time with uh Arcus who's kind of this werewolf looking Green Lantern uh the Kyle Rayner from the animated series who'd uh also appeared in uh the Superman animated show so he's kind of a cross between Hal Jordan uh and Kyle because uh they kind of wanted to do Hal but uh, DC made him do Kyle so they sort of met uh, a little bit in between on the design and uh, Kamatu, uh, which was uh, John's uh, girlfriend. the uh, once you hit sort of the purple carded era of uh, DC Unlimited, we had a fluoro green design uh, for John, which was really a weird design, but it actually turned up again in the movie line. There's a Hal Jordan figure with this outfit. So uh, I've got that as a note, but yeah, it's it's a weird. Someone at Mattel <laughs> liked that design. Uh, and there was a three-pack, which was... Um, didn't have a Green Lantern in it, but it had a Star Sapphire who's from uh, the Green Lantern universe. And uh, potentially she got a figure because she was used quite a bit in the animated series. And I do remember listening to an audio commentary where they said part of the reason she Star Sapphire was used so much towards the end of the animated series is apparently the voice actor for her was very attractive and Bruce Tim liked having her around the studio. So he kept writing her into stories. Um, so and being being in it a lot probably meant that led to her getting an action figure, uh, and then it hit into the DC Universe uh, sort of period uh, around the time of the um, DCUC uh, figures. Uh, so you got a more comic book accurate John Stewart. There was a character called the Green Guardsman, which was the TV show's version of doing uh, the Justice Society when they didn't have rights. So he's basically a Green Lantern, so I chucked him in. Uh, a Power Ring version of Jon Stewart, uh, which is the Earth 3 uh, version of the characters. Uh, he had a re release of Kilowog uh, on single cards, but it was still that horrible buck. Uh, figure they didn't update that at all, even though they started to have more bigger buck figures. It just looked
0: like uh, a like a, a, a normal sized guy wearing a Kilowog mask.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a, it, it would have to probably be the worst Justice League Unlimited figure, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd be hard that this line was so good and the designs were so great. I'd be hard pressed to think of another figure that was as bad as. This one without it just being like, oh, it was a weird paint variant of a main character. Um, And there were a few more um, three packs where we got some more characters such as uh, Evil Star, which is a Green Lantern villain, uh, Guy Gardner and uh, the uh, Manhunters turned up, which was kind of cool. They gave you two Manhunters in a uh, three pack. Uh, since it is an army builder. So I'm sure Ben would have been happy, although you had to buy John Stewart again uh, to get that. So they're sort of giving you a bone oh. and taking <laughs> it away too. Uh, at San Diego Comic-Con 2009, they released a set called Green Lantern Origins, uh, which featured a Hal Jordan, a Sinestro, and an Abin Sir. And what was interesting with these guys is they had swappable heads. You could swap the heads around, Uh, and put them on uh, different bodies. So the Hal Jordan was actually in his test pilot flight outfit uh, that was kind of based off the New Frontier animated film more than anything else. Um, But you could put your Hal Jordan head on a Green Lantern body, uh, but he didn't have his domino mask on, which was a bit weird if you did that. And part of the reason it seems to be for this is because there's a Holy Grail with Justice League Unlimited Collectors. And it is a Hal Jordan figure on a basic single card. Now, you might not have heard of this or seen this, or you're probably listening and thinking, Eddie, of course I've heard of this and seen this. This is a holy grail of uh, Justice League Unlimited Collectors. We all know what this is. And that is, uh, Mattel used to do figures exclusively uh, for their employees as sort of thank yous over the years at Christmas times or end of working on the line. I, I believe this one was a Christmas gift. Um, I could be wrong, uh, but it was a Hal Jordan, just Justice League Unlimited figure uh, that was like produced apparently with, um, now this is going to sound like urban legend, but this comes from someone uh, who used to work at Mattel. It was like a special type of uh, tooling that uh, didn't w- wasn't made to last. So they made this Green Lantern figure, and then the tool basically um, disintegrates or falls apart once it's past its original uh, usage term. It's not sort of a steel tool that they mainly make bucks out of that are made to last over the years, and you can just keep remaking tools. It's so that they can make a very small handful of them quite cheaply uh, in the country and get them out. Um, so yeah, apparently that buck is gone. They'll never be able to produce, uh, well, the buck was gone, but the head sculpt, um, they won't be able to, uh, produce again, exactly, uh, from that same mold. And, got, and I'm
0: sure that there are still, uh, entitled fanboys that are super angry about this. Yeah. They're, this they're, big... Oh my goodness. There were angry people. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> so that's where I think that Green Lantern Origins one was kind of a bit of a tease of, like, you can almost have a Hal Jordan. He just yeah. won't have his mask on his uh, yeah. face. Yeah. yeah, I do remember being a Hal Jordan fan and being like, oh, that's a bit disappointing, but I'm sure they'll get to him at some point. Like, that won't be the one. And, yeah, they kind of never did. Um, but, yes, I'm not uh, kicking down doors or screaming. Because he also, apart from, I think, about five seconds in a weird, like, time rift one where he was voiced by Adam Baldwin, it didn't really appear in the show that much. No. It was no. yeah. uh, John Stewart. So it's not, I'm I'm not sitting here dying like I can't believe I never got a figure of that five seconds. So I'll log through. And there's, as we'll keep talking about plenty more uh, Hal Jordan figures to come uh, because uh, this is around the time period that uh, I was getting into Green Lantern and we had the launch of Green Lantern uh, by Jeff Johns with Green Lantern, rebirth which was i'm going to be a little bit mixed here i absolutely love this story i reread it uh recently to prepare for this it is absolutely fantastic uh i i really can't recommend the story enough for uh people who are getting into uh, want to get into greenland it's it really does a fantastic job uh unfortunately the artist of it is uh someone who's yeah i let problematic is in the best and in the worst sense of the word uh cool. so much i'm not going to even uh say his name or mention it but uh, I'd, I'd assume most people uh would would have an idea of uh who i'm talking about and uh he's very much out there on the internet and his uh not great views are out there too so uh, i don't want to give him much credit but uh he, he did unfortunately have a large amount of work in this uh, beginning part. So uh, I I wouldn't even be uh, disappointed if people uh, didn't necessarily pay to read this uh, line, but um, it it is a fantastic story uh, as written by uh, Jeff Johns uh, throughout his entire run uh, that really set up Greenland to be one of the pillars of the DC universe that led into the Blackest Night event, uh, which is considered by many to be uh, the, Uh, sort of greatest modern DC event and holds a place in my heart so much so I actually own original art uh, from this book I have the uh, page where the White Lantern Ring flies through Necron's heart I was that big of a fan and it also led to me for the first time pre-ordering action figures which uh, in that sort of period uh, of early 2000s I hadn't really done before uh, but yeah, I was going into my uh, comic book store at the time then and it was in previews being DC Direct and like just ordered me the whole wave. I don't want to risk uh, not getting these. Uh, and uh, it's because I really loved this uh, DC Direct Green Lantern line that they started doing. Uh, and uh, the first wave is still uh, one of my favorites and something... Uh, that I do think about a fair bit when I I sort of just even think about the first waves of uh, action figures as uh, being one of my faves. So we had what I actually think is probably my favourite, and this could be Nostalgia Talking, Hal Jordan uh, action figure. It's just very basic, but uh, just a great head sculpt, great colouring, sort of the metallic green really stood out to me. Uh, On the packaging, it just really worked. It was a great figure. Um and yeah, he got a lot of posing uh, on my desk around this time period. You had Black Hand, who was a villain that I'd never come across before reading this miniseries, but um he was a great design and uh well interpreted here so i was like oh that's a cool design too you had two guardian figures both ganther and another guardian so that was like oh you're getting a two-packer so it's you know it could be a little figure but we're actually getting a lot of them here uh parallax which is a great villain design and it was kind of another way of getting the main character again but in a different design and that that really worked for me and was cool and then you had Kilowog, which was this big massive figure finally getting done justice Mm. and he was a huge heavy hunker like there's no way he'd get released as a single figure these days he would uh, definitely be a deluxe figure and I managed to get him. I missed out on him originally and I was disappointed. I thought I might never get this guy. And I don't know if you remember this, Scotty, but Alternate Worlds here in Melbourne used to do like these just before Christmas sales. And part of that is they would have like a table of just DC Direct figures that they were trying to clear out cheap. And I actually found Kilowog on this table for five bucks. So what? I was like, yep. Yeah. I was like, do they, I'm they grabbing... ever reduced
0: sales? You, you, you you'd. you'd like, I think you can still go there. I can still go there and see stuff that's the same price that it was in the old shop back in the
1: day. Yeah, th- this is what they used to do. I, I actually got a ton of great figures for really cheap off the these. It was like a one day thing. You oh. just have to go this one day, and they do this okay, massive yeah. clear sale. So I got like um. The Tom Strong two pack with a robot butler for like five dollars. Like just stuff like that. Like things you're like, oh, that's well past this prime, but someone found it a box or something out the back and they're just chucking it out there. So um yeah, that was one of my greatest figures find figure finds ever was Kilog for five dollars there the second wave was fantastic as well you had guy Gardner, which i also thought this was a fantastic guy Gardner figure um it was more of his modern look with the shorter hair but uh once again work uh the manhunter which was fantastic it had a flip-up lid on the mask where it had the green lantern power battery built into its design underneath salak which is um he's kind of the information guy back in the base for Green Lanterns, he's the one who'd be the computer guy in the chair, if you know that cliche. Um, So it's like, oh, that's a character I never thought we'd get a figure of, but he's a cool design. We had the modern version of Shark, which was this Big giant great white looking thing that was just freaky. And this figure hurts not only is he a big chunk of plastic, but he's a lot of sharp points. So, oh, if you've ever that, this actually, time, yes, he, yeah. yeah, he just hurts to hold in your hand. Um, and works really well for building fear because it's just painful. And we had a uh, Sinestro in his uh, green lantern uh outfit. Uh, the third wave uh, was kind of a cool wave, and this was actually the first wave that I pre-ordered. So it was a Batman in a Green Lantern outfit, and they did a sort of cool thing where they had the Green Lantern symbol actually sticking out of, um, of fluoro colors from his regular symbol, and that worked really well. Um, and this figure, I don't know about it currently, but there was a time period there where this guy was like around six hundred, seven hundred dollars. He was going for what?
0: Um,
1: yeah, he he was going for insane Sorry, I'll be right back. I'm gonna rustle around in
0: my garage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah he he was one of those ones of like there's a couple of these figures at dc direct that you sort of forget about and then you go look like the jason todd batman and things like that and you just forget about it, and you come back and look and it's like whoa that's the guy everyone's like that was wasn't even a rare figure but yeah he's a great design um piece uh cyborg superman in his sinestro core uh outfit we had sinestro in his sinestro core outfit for the first time uh, this figure is a little bit, uh, disturbing because he does, um, uh, the design was based on Adolf Hitler, um, okay. at the time. So it is kind of like having a little bit of a mini Adolf, uh, in your house and knowing what we do know now about the, uh, artists that designed that look, it might have been more favorable than like yeah. inspirational <laughs> in the bad design. Um, so that, that sort of made this figure oh, a little bit dear. more disturbing in my eyes yeah. than, I look back now, and I also remember him being very annoying because he had this little, um, like, tuft of hair on the top of his head, like just a couple of strands that would dip down, and it was a glued-on extra piece, and the glue wasn't strong, so it was constantly popping off on mine. And it was a tiny piece, and I'd always re-find it and be able to stick it back in and re but it just never stayed in there, and it just always freaked me out because it was like, I'm going to lose this little tiny piece, and he's going to have mm-hmm, a white mm-hmm. dot in his head. But uh, eventually we got other... Sinestro core designs of Sinestro, so I wasn't uh, that concerned now. And uh, a star sapphire in her modern outfit that uh, is very revealing. Um, It definitely has one of the larger boob windows uh, in DC history. And one that I thought, okay, yeah, this is a DC direct line because we won't get this character in on mainstream shelves in this outfit. And I was proven wrong later on. Uh, as we'll talk about uh, now, this line actually went on a bit of a hiatus for a period when it jumped over to being the blackest night line, and uh, once again, it's hard to understate just how huge this storyline was uh, for DC at the time. These um, between the Sinestro Corps War, where this was teased out to when it actually happened, was just insane. Uh, the uh, amount of interest it garnered, the the sales of the Green Lantern book skyrocketed, the introduction of the different colored lanterns uh, was just a huge and massive marketing uh, tool. And it was sending people flocking into comic book stores uh, like hadn't really happened in a long time. And part of the campaign was just if you brought certain books during Blackest Night, you would get a colored lantern ring that was just cheap little plastic, But people were going nuts over these uh, lantern rings and trying to get a hold of them. And stores had to pre-order the right amount of books to get it. And it was a nightmare for any store trying to run it through. But um, yeah, an absolutely uh, fantastic uh, piece that really garnered a uh, lot of interest and exploded. So naturally, DC Direct was like, okay, we got to capitalize in on uh, this and start releasing. And well,
0: they did. (laughs) <laughs> and yes, uh, they,
1: they definitely did. But similar to uh, the uh, employee, Hell Jordan, uh, the backlash of deciding to do a, a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive uh, that year of Hal Jordan uh, based on uh, him wearing the different colored rings. So there were actually like five of them released uh, at the time uh, there at San Diego and people went nuts because I I forget what the actual idea was on how you go, but it was like, they, they weren't all available in the one spot. You had to, it was either go to like different stands to get them, or you had to come back at different times in order to get different ones. Uh, and they were a real pain, uh, (laughs) to be able to, Uh, pick up and grab, and even more so for someone like myself who was in Australia and not able to get to San Diego Comic-Con. And I'm sure you're thinking, oh, you could have just jumped online or gone there and worked That didn't really exist uh, at that time. And even then, these figures were so popular, uh, they would have been shooting up like crazy. But luckily for me, one of the guys from the comic store was actually in San Diego uh, that year. So I didn't get all of them. Um, but I was able to get my hands on the orange lantern and the red lantern version uh, of Hal. Uh, and I was so ecstatic about it. I mean the, the idea I didn't even it was unconceivable to me that I was going to be able to get these and pick these up. and they, these did disappoint me. That they were coming out, and I was like, "Oh, how am I, how am I ever going to get there? Like, I, I'm just not. I just have to commit that I'm not." And yeah, when this guy came back from San Diego, he's like, "Look, I got some. Just pay me the retail price." So um, it worked out to be like forty dollars Australia. I paid for each of these, uh, and I think they were going for like well over two hundred dollars if you could find them um, at the time. So I, I was very happy uh, and thankful uh, for that. In terms of the main figures. Uh, we started getting brand new characters of the Colored Lanterns, such as Atrocitus and Saint Walker. We had Boudica, which comes from an Alpha Lantern story, which was a whole other side story going on about Lanterns starting to become a bit more corrupt and abusing the powers. And we started getting, which was really the highlight of the line, uh, the dead characters coming back as Black Lantern. So the first one being uh, Black Lantern Superman, second wave, which came out very quickly after, uh, John Stewart, the Indigo Lantern, uh, Crip, who was a weird Sinestro core character who actually collected children and stored her in, in the back. So she actually came with little babies that you could poke her back out and put babies in a, um, cage in, in her back and plug that back in. And one of my favorites is, uh, Marsha Manhunter, Black Lantern. I love this figure because, uh, the, <laughs> Um, moment in uh, the storyline uh, where the Martian Manhunter basically throws a whole building uh, at Hal Jordan and wipes the floor with him and he almost mugs at the camera and says, you know, everyone always forgets I'm as powerful as Superman and that sort yeah. of put Martian Manhunter back on the planet. But yes, uh, and lots of other ones coming through. Obviously we've got the other lanterns such as Star Sapphire, La Flea's, um and all the other sort of Black Lanterns that appeared in throughout the story, as well as the New Guardians, which were the characters from DC later on that got different coloured rings, such as Blue Lantern, Flash, and um, all those kind of ones. Uh, now, this was such a popular storyline uh, that it did also start to seep its way into DC, uh, UC, which was the other main line uh, of DC figures going on. Uh, at the times, which was kind of a representation of superpowers. So uh, it kicked off with Hal and Sinestro. The Sinestro was quite infamous for being really short, uh, like ridiculously (laughs) short, particularly for a character that was meant to be taller. Uh, And then you had your sort of noticeable gap. And then around wave 11, that's when uh, you would hit the time period that that Green Lantern was starting to explode. So you had a whole wave that was pretty much a Green Lantern wave with John Katma. Uh, Cyborg, Superman, uh, Shark, and Killerwog being the builder figure. Uh, wave 14, which was the Walmart wave, had a Alan Scott. You had a Batman in his Sinestro Corps uniform a pop up in Wave 15. Now, this one's interesting because uh, he really didn't wear this uh, for more than, I think, a panel uh, oh. in the comic, but the original plan post-Blackest Night was to have a Sinestro Corps Batman running around for a while in the comics, but it got retconned because Grant Morrison was doing the death of Batman story arc and it became Dick Grayson. Uh, So they had to change that. Um, But the figure was already in production to come out and what they were thinking was going to be the main Batman uh, in the Batman comics at the time. So uh, that's why uh, he was one of the first uh, covered lanterns to come out and get a release. Uh, And then you had a whole uh, blackest night, new guardian Uh, wave, which is all the DC characters, such as Lex Luthor, the Adam. Which was the death of
0: that
1: line. Yeah, which is the (laughs) ultimate egg warmer. And uh, (laughs) because, yeah, it takes so long to get these things out, that this was almost two years after Blackest Night by this point. And uh, people were like, oh, you're trying to cash in on that? That's a bit old and run through. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of the same again the next wave with uh, the – uh, White Lantern, Flash, and uh, Sinestro, and Necron being the builder figure, uh, who is still a fantastic builder figure. He's really in the underrated mm-hmm. of those collect and connect uh, the real chains, and you know he's in a in see through heart. Uh, now, the multipacks is also where it really shined for Green Lantern that he was popular. Uh, the Hal and Ab and Sir, the multiple members of Sinestro Corps. Uh, a Hal and Sinestro two-pack, which had the makeup Sinestro that was actually back on a taller buck, and great reuse of the Metalmen um, parts to create constructs. Uh, the War of the Greenlands, which was a Sinestro core, uh, and Blue Kyle, uh, a modern-day Hal Jordan for the 75th anniversary. A whole five-figure Green Lantern core pack, which had uh, Hal with his 90s grey hair. Uh, which was a great recon that, that was actually Parallax uh incepting him with fear that caused him to go gray early. Uh Mosaic John, a uh, Guy Gardner finally for this line. Sinestro and his green lane, Tomar Ray. Uh, we also had a power ring in the crime syndicate pack. Uh, and it was also so popular at this time that it got its own sidewave popping out of uh Green Lantern characters across two runs, uh, where we had an Achillo collect and connect figure who was like the uh anti-killerwog. Uh, and Estelle, a giant robot uh, figure for uh, Wave 2, as well as multiple other Green Lantern characters. Wave 2 featured a red lantern called Nightlick, uh, which was actually named after the brand manager who's most famous as being Toy Guru from the Masters of the Universe uh, line. His real name being Scott Nightlick. Former guest uh, of the show? and from that. Uh, Yes, former guest of the show, before my time. Uh, But yes, um... Yeah, and that was meant to be as a thank you for him overseeing the Green Lantern uh, line. Uh, and Jeff Johns actually put that character into the comics. in uh, During Club Infinite Earths, uh, you also had uh, some of the other uh, Lantern characters finally getting their DC, Mattel representation, uh, such as Atrocitus, St. Walker, Laugh Place. I forgot to mention Wave 2. You also had Star Sapphire in a modern outfit, a suit that I thought would never hit mainstream retail. Hit it there. Uh, and it was also around this time you had the Green Lantern uh, movie, which I actually think is an underrated line. I think the line actually had some fantastic sculpting, sculpting yep. going on. Appreciated. Pretty much covered most of the main Lantern characters. Uh, Across the run, but obviously that movie left a bit to be desired for, and they became massive peg warmers. This is around the time you start to notice Green Lantern disappearing from toy shells because it was considered a uh, bit of a bomb. So it sort of limped along into the new version of the Mattel figures with multiverse, but uh, nothing much of note. You sort of had like the Injustice Hal Jordan, a superpowers repaint of Hal Jordan, and towards the end of the line, it started to peak again with uh kyle john and jessica cruz uh finally getting an action figure version of her was the same over at dc collectibles uh, which was the new name for dc directors it sort of went into the new 52 era so you had your classics like hal john uh alan scott reappearing but you also had uh simon baz who was a new green lantern uh getting his first figure there and ones based on their animated movies and video games. And they had sort of that designer series going at the line, like Greg Capullo and uh, Darwin Cook uh, popping up. And towards the end, you had the uh, new JLU animated uh, figures that they got the main core out of. Uh, Now we're getting into the area that me and Scotty have finally been joining the podcast and talking about where I've been able to cover Green Lantern, such as the icons with uh, Hal and John, uh, same with the Essentials of Hal and Sinestro. Uh, and there was just recently an Essential figure released of Hal, which is him in the DC deceased yeah. version, which was kind of a zombie character, just uh, came out fairly recently. Uh, McFarlane's obviously picked up the license, so getting characters such as Animated John, Dawnbreaker, uh, Rebirth John, and uh, Hal, which I talked about earlier in the show, coming Metsko dipped their toe in with John as the main figure and Hal as a previews exclusive, which I kind of regret not picking up. I might need to keep my eye out for that. And the last sort of big collectible figure I found, which uh, is a bit forgotten about, even though it just came out a couple of years ago, uh, the Green Lantern versus Predator in a Sinestro Corps outfit. And that had swappable heads between uh, Hal and John. So it does seem Hal and John... Uh, have become sort of more the mainstays in the action figure world. But uh, that was a bulk of them. There were even more that I didn't mention here on the list, such as the Batman or the Brave and the Bold and pieces like that. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot, and I'm starting to run out of breath. So I'm going <laughs> to wrap it up here. Um, thank you. I, I, I wish I had the willpower to uh, push on through. But, uh, oh, you did really well. So thank you for giving me. You,
0: you said before you don't uh... – Know a lot about Green Lantern? What did you learn?
2: There's a lot. Of... <laughs> there. A little. That that leads into my question is: Okay, I've got HBO Max, and and I've been watching. I just finished watching all of Batman the Animated Series from start oh, wow. to finish. Mm-hmm. Cool. What should I watch now if I want to learn more about Green Lantern?
1: I I would say the Justice League. Uh, animated series they they do a very good job and even early on in introducing you to john stewart and his world and uh what it is there is also a superman the animated series episode where he meets a i think it is called brightest day um where he meets a kyle rayner greenland Lantern. Uh, which is also good. Uh, There is also the animated movies. I'm not too sure if they're on HBO Max. We don't have that here, but First Flight was a good one. Actually, you know what would be fantastic is um, there's an animated movie of New Frontier, and that does a good job. It's sort of the end of the Golden Age era of superheroes going into the Silver Age. Uh, And, yeah, uh, Hal Jordan is not one of the main characters in it, but they do a fantastic job introducing you to him and the character. So that, that would be a great one as well. First flight
0: too is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
1: It's the only really
2: version of, I've watched is obviously the movie and that probably wasn't the right thing to watch.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a weird film. It had everything going for, I think a large part of it is, it's just ugly to look at the, the design. Like, I, I don't know why you take away the black and the white from, the uniforms um, because they're a part of it in making the green pop, but making it all green and the weird CGI glowing just didn't work. I had other things that weren't right there too, but to me that yeah. was a large factor of it. It just was not a nice film to look at.
0: The moment it started with 20 minutes of exposition, I was like, oh, this is doomed. <laughs> yeah, that, that
1: was the other thing, trying to cram all these different uh, characters and story into the one the one bit i do stand by is uh mark strong as sinestro was fantastic
0: Mm, very good yes yes it's a shame we didn't get to kind of see him really turn into the yellow lantern that's such a brilliant actor so well look eddie that was awesome it's great to do another toy history and we do need to get back into the habit of that that was fantastic and we're gonna uh wrap it up there. Uh if you have any questions, comments, or uh things that you would like to mention, please email us at podcast at actionfigure dot com. Uh you can find us on Facebook um at, at both as our Facebook page, just Action Figure Blues, or our fantastic Action Figure Blues collector community, um, where we did get some comments about favorite Green Lantern Figures, I'm pretty sure that the Kenner Superpowers was the the one that got the the mention there as the iconic Green Lantern toy. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at AF Blues on Instagram, Action Figure Blues, um, but not Snapchat or TikTok because we're not cool enough. Um, and we are working
1: on an OnlyFans though. That's coming.
0: <laughs> that's that's Eddie's little side project. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't say are-
1: little side project.
0: Oh, so I, I mean, you know, Large significant side project. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you uh, ever wanted to pour bleach into your eyes and needed a reason, um, we'll give it to you soon. Uh, but we we would love to hear from you, and uh, we will endeavor to respond or read it out, etc. And until next time, we say goodbye.
2: Good journey. Have your pets bait or neutered.
0: <laughs> Good night, nerds. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. Our theme music is by Robert Crandall. Our ad music is by Scott Holmes. The AFB logo is created by Nate Stones. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please check out our sponsors like Mark's Comics and Stuff, Loot Crate, Audible, and Gamefly. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at ActionFigureBlues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening.